This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Tuesday, December 27th, 2022. What's up? Welcome in Grant and Danny on the fan. No Danny today. I am solo with you for the next four and a half hours. Excited to be talking football and all things local and national sports with you late in December as we get closer to the start of 2023. I hope everybody had a wonderful holiday, excellent Christmas, whatever you were celebrating. Hopefully you were with family and friends and you enjoyed yourself thoroughly. I got into the studio today. I walk in, I drop my bag, I do kind of the overweight guy, you just got up the steps and you're getting to your office, and you plop down in your chair and you take that heavy sigh thing, and Darius and Ryan are both sitting here and they go, you refreshed? I think that was the word they used. Basically the idea was, you just got back from a vacation, you took Thursday and Friday and Monday off, surely you've recharged your batteries, right? If you know, you know. When you have kids, you need a vacation from your vacation, right? I mean, it's the best thing in the world, the holidays with young kids. It's great. Santa came. They were in their element. It was still dark out at 5.59 when I got woken up. 6 a.m., we're running down the steps. Santa came, put a candy cane under the pillow, so they knew he had been in the house, and we went and opened the presents, and everyone had a great day. Christmas Day, we spent with the wife's side of the family. Yesterday, Boxing Day, we spent with my side of the family. It has been a whirlwind. It's been a lot of fun. It's been great. Best time of the year. I am a big Christmas guy. But I could use about 48 hours of just the world being paused while I sleep and do nothing. And then at the end of those 48 hours, we could start the world again. Everyone can wake back up from your little slumber. I just want everything to stop. But I am here, and you guys are, many of you, back in the office. You're gutting through it. You're getting back into the saddle. I've always said this is one of the most useless stretches of work in history. I really feel that way. A lot of people don't work between Christmas and New Year's generally. But for those of us that are here, I mean, how much is really getting done? This is the ultimate just checking of a box. This is busy work time this week, isn't it? Is there a more futile three days of work than like the the Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of a weekend New Year's Eve? Come on. What are we talking about here? But we will enjoy it together. Got a lot of uh, lot to talk about. A lot planned today. We got a great segments ahead of us and good conversations to have, so it should, should be a good time. I want to begin, though, because it's Tuesday, by firing up some Survivor music and getting you ready to vote on Facebook. That's right. Commanders Survivor. Facebook. Dot com slash Grant and Danny to vote. You are kicking a player off the island. You are giving a player immunity. So there are four players left. The triumvirate on the defensive line, which is exceptional. Montez Sweat, John Allen, 
Deron Payne, and on offense, representing his side of the ball solely at this point, Terry McLaurin. Those are your four remaining commanders. McLaurin, Allen, Payne, and Sweat. And John Allen is actually immune. So he will be one of the last three commanders standing this season. So you're actually only able to vote off Sweat, Payne, or McLaurin today. And you're only able to give immunity to one of those three as well, Sweat, Payne, and McLaurin. So you start to look into how did these guys fare. Well, Terry led the team with 77 yards and a touchdown. Acquitted himself well, four catches, five targets, two different quarterbacks throwing him the football this past weekend. Deron Payne had another sack. That's nine and a half for him on the season. Loss of eight as he got Brock Purdy to the ground. One of three sacks in the game. James Smith-Williams had one. Benjamin St. Juice had the other. And Montez Sweat, while this is a little bit deceiving, could be in some trouble today. He played in over 40 snaps in the game, and he did not register on the stat sheet, quite literally. If you look at a box score from Saturday night, Christmas Eve in San Francisco, you do not see Montez Sweat's name. Despite dozens of snaps, no stats from the game. Now, if you watched the game, you saw that he got his hand on Purdy as he was going to the ground on the pain sack. You saw that he pressured him a couple of other times. But pressures aren't a box score stat generally. Could Montez Sweat be in trouble? Who gets immunity? You guys are going to vote at Facebook.com slash Grant and Danny today. I think we're at a point now where any of the guys left winning would probably make sense. And I think for the most part, if you're a fan of this team, you're going to feel like the season of Commander's Survivor was done correctly, regardless of who wins now. Payne's been great. Allen's been exceptional. McLaurin's been outstanding. And Sweat's been really, really good. So kudos to you guys that that's your final four. But go vote now. Facebook.com slash Grant and Danny. J.J. Watt is retiring outside of D.C. Biggest story in sports today. Watt, after a completely dominant, really impressive, awesome showing against the Bucks on Christmas, he had statistically six tackles, solo, one assists, and he lived in the backfield with a handful of TFLs. He has announced this is the end of the road for his legendary career. Next stop's going to be Canton, Ohio, as a... Hall of Famer. This is a five-time pro bowler who's made just as many all-pros. He was on the all-2010s team. He won three AP Defensive Player of the Year awards. It actually got me to thinking, who's the greatest defensive player I've ever seen in my life, in my time watching and studying and analyzing football? Aaron Donald, over the last five years as a game wrecker, has probably matched or surpassed what J.J. Watt was at his apex, in my opinion. But people forget really quickly like how amazing J.J. Watt was. He had a four-year stretch where he had better numbers than Aaron Donald has had. He had 20 and a half, 10.5, 20.5, and 17.5 sacks as a defensive tackle, pretty much, plays N2, over a four-year span, basically averaging up around 20 sacks. Like We've never seen anything like it. Led the league in TFLs three times in a four-year span. Tackles in the backfield. And, of course, that was when he won his three Defensive Player of the Year awards and finished sixth in voting the year that he didn't win it in that four-year stretch. 
But at some point this week, whether it's today or later, as I'll be uh, hanging out with you solo for the next few days leading up to the weekend, I am going to take some calls on and put a list together of the the, the best defensive stars, recent history, your lifetime that you've seen. Because I think sometimes we get trapped into recency effect. But we've seen some really, truly great all-time players here in this era. And Watt is definitely one of them. Now, I wasn't on the air yesterday, but I was tracking some things in the car and was able to catch up on all the news of the last few days. And I saw that Nathaniel Hackett was fired by the Denver Broncos before he even got finished with his first season as an NFL head coach. And there is a history. There's a precedent. It's not a big list of guys. But remember Steve Wilkes in Arizona, one and done. Marty Schottenheimer, of course, here. Went five and uh, eight and eight. They they started out zero and five, ripped off a five game winning streak. They finished eight and three over their last eleven to get to eight and eight. He was done after one season. Hackett didn't even get to finish his first year in Denver, and I'm not surprised at all that he got fired. He had a really tough time just doing very normal coaching things. It got so bad with the Broncos this year for Nathaniel Hackett. This is a true story. That there was a stretch of games. There was two straight games at home for Denver where their entire fan base would count down to the snap as if they were counting down to the ball dropping on New Year's. Collectively, by the tens of thousands, legitimately. This is a real thing that happened. Almost like a, a mock, sh- you know, like in uh, basketball where you're, you're trying to trick the opponent with the shot clock so everyone counts but you're two seconds off or something. But they were legitimately just trying to help Russell Wilson and the process starting with Hackett. They were trying to make sure they wouldn't get any more delay of game penalties because they couldn't get through the machinations of coach picks play, tells quarterback play, quarterback tells team play, team lines up, snaps ball in a 40-second span, which is supposed to be just the easiest thing that you do. It's like furniture in the room. You don't even notice it. The question is, do you pick the right play? Does the play work? Do you execute? Does the defense stop you? But they couldn't even get to the part where they snap the ball in time. To the point where the crowd, tens of thousands at a time, is now counting down to help Nathaniel Hackett, who had to then go hire someone to just help him get the plays in on time and make sure that they were calling timeouts at the right points. So it was very clear he was overmatched. And I know there is a faction of people who say you shouldn't fire a coach after one season. And for a long time, when I was young and growing up, I kind of thought that too. I thought that that is the sign of a bad organization. That continuity is significant. Without it, you have no chance. And if you hire someone, then that they, without any hesitation, deserve time to succeed, and there is an argument for that. But maybe I'm just cynical now. I like to think I'm a little smarter now. Maybe I'm not. I actually have decided at this point in my life that head coaching is no different than anything else, whether it's hosting a radio show or cooking at a restaurant or um, whatever your gig is. Some people are good at it, and some people are bad at it. And if it's pretty clear that Nathaniel Hackett can't do this, I avoided an obvious pun there. It was pretty clear 
that Nathaniel Hackett isn't capable, then guess what? Don't wait. Fire him now and move on. If you give him another year, because why? Because you just think it's the right, nice thing to do, and he's terrible, you've only set yourself back more. If it's become obvious, it's like being in a bad relationship, right? It's like having an untenable situation with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You know this will end poorly eventually. You know that this is not sustainable. This won't work long term. Every month you're still in that relationship is just going to ultimately make the breakup worse and set you back further, essentially, from finding what you're actually looking for. So... I have no problem with what the Broncos did. I really don't. I will tell you as well, though, that I think the reason they made this move is because it buys them some time on the Russell Wilson front to be able now to pretend as if Russell Wilson's problem was not himself, but was Nathaniel Hackett. I really believe that. I think they'll now, you're going to hear a lot of things come out. You'll see stories written. You'll see them with unnamed You know, sources in these stories and and people within the organization, quote-unquote, with knowledge of the situation. And these stories are going to basically say, oh, Russell Wilson just couldn't do anything right this year because Nathaniel Hackett was a dummy. Wilson's not broken. Wilson's not done. It's just that Nathaniel Hackett was a boob. Well, ask Aaron Rodgers if that's true. I mean, he had a pretty good year winning the MVP with Hackett the last couple of seasons and seems to miss him this year. Russell Wilson has played badly because Russell Wilson is bad now. Russell Wilson was bad in his final year in Seattle for the most part. And Russell Wilson, as you saw on Christmas throwing his three picks, is nothing like he was several years ago. I don't know how we got here. I don't know why we're here. I don't know what happened to him. But this is exactly who he is now. He is a quarterback that, thank God, here's your early Christmas present. If you're a Commanders fan, Washington didn't land. When they tried to lure him here. Remember, they offered three first-round picks and other stuff to go get Russell Wilson. And luckily, he wanted nothing to do with the commanders. Thank God. Because can you imagine if we were putting the finishing touches right now on year one of Russell Wilson and you traded, let's just say, Payne or Chase Young and some other player, young player, Derek Forrest or something, with three first-round picks to the Broncos, and Russell Wilson had 12 touchdowns and similar number of interceptions as we're getting ready for Week 17. I'm sure everything would be fine. No one would be upset in D.C. Fans would be buying their Russell Wilson jerseys, wrapping them, putting them under the tree. What a bullet they dodged. Broncos didn't, though. They're in big, big trouble. But now they'll say, hey, it was Hackett. It was his fault, not Russell Wilson's. And I think that was a big part of the firing. So now they better go get themselves an offensive-minded head coach who can try to give Russell Wilson the best possible chance at getting back to being not a pro bowler type. You know, not Russell Wilson again. You don't need him to be elite. Just serviceable. You know, not a liability. Not someone that costs you games. So that's the latest from around the NFL right off the top today. I actually want to get into Commanders 49ers and some things that I took out of that game, most notably about the quarterback situation. I thought Taylor Heineke, prior to the two turnovers, was outstanding. I thought Taylor Heineke, prior to a three-snap sequence where he turned the ball over twice, that got him benched, 
played his best game of the year. He was 13 of 18 for a buck 66 and a couple of touchdowns. Deep shot to McLaurin on point. Actually, his first throw of the game to Dotson was like a back shoulder ball. Threw him away from a defender where if Dotson can haul it in, he might have a 70-yard catch and run for a touchdown. Heineke had a play where he, on a bootleg, with traffic all around him, threw off his back foot, dropped the ball in the bucket inside the 10-yard line to get the commanders set up for what would eventually be their first points of the day. Like He was on point, locked in. And it was hilarious because going into the game, you guys listened to the show last week, you remember, screaming into a megaphone, Rivera's going to bench him. He wants to bench him. He wants to go to Carson Wentz. And, of course, in the most Heineke thing that's ever happened, he comes out and just balls for the entire first half in a way where it was impossible for Rivera to make the move. Until fumble pick, three-play sequence, Taylor Heineke had turned the ball over two times and Rivera had his opening. It was all he needed. He basically just needed Heineke not to be excellent. He needed a couple of plays where things went badly, which happens in football all the time. And then he was able to make the quarterback change he's been wanting to make for weeks and go back to the guy, Wentz, that he traded for. So we'll get into that among our takeaways from the 49ers game. Next on Grant and Danny without Danny, Grant Paulson with you today on The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Jonathan Williams, the back on a second down and goal. Heineke got the block from Lucas. Caught touchdown! Grabbed by Dotson in the back of the end zone. Four-yard touchdown throw, and the Commanders within an extra point of tying the game. They work on Lenore in the back of the end zone. That made it 7-6. Joey Sly tacked on an extra point to tie the game moments later. 7-all early in the second quarter in San Francisco. I should say late in the second quarter, really. That was right before halftime. 
It was 7-7 at the half, and then the 49ers poured it on the rest of the way, outscoring Washington 30-13 from that point. And at one point, it was 30-7. Some late game points from Washington made it look a little bit better. Welcome back, Grant and Danny. Danny, a little holiday respite over the next few days, so I'll be solo with you for the remainder of the week here on G&D. Darius and Ryan on the production, hanging out with me as always. Commanders now sitting at 7-7-1 seven, seven, and one after back-to-back losses. In fact, it's been three games in a row without a win now because they went tie-loss against New York and now dis- pretty distinct loss to San Francisco. I mean, this game was close at the half, and you give them a lot of credit for that. But really, I don't know about you guys. I don't know how many times during the game you felt like Washington was going to win. I mean, it was pretty clear they were the second-best team on the field against the 49ers. Brock Purdy, I thought, was really sharp. 15 of 22, 234 yards and a couple touchdowns. His only interception was when Juwan Jennings played popcorn with the ball and basically threw it right into the chest of Defoe. Derek Forrest. Otherwise, Purdy was pretty clean. Didn't make any mistakes. 49ers ripped off a 71-yard end-around touchdown by Ray-Ray McLeod. Couldn't really get a whole lot going between the tackles with Christian McCaffrey, which isn't surprising. I mean, they ran the ball with their running backs 24 times for 76 yards. This defense is not going to let you line up and run the football downhill traditionally. They haven't done it all year, and as good as the 49ers scheme was, it was good on good, and Washington's front was stout. But they got hit by the McLeod play, and then they got gashed in the second half by George Kittle. I think it was pretty obvious from Kyle Shanahan what he did, the adjustment at halftime that was made was Washington is doing everything they can to stop the run and Darren Brock Purdy to beat us. So let's get some movement then at the second level behind those linebackers. Let's get some in-breaking stuff to Brandon Ayuk. Uh, Let's get George Kittle the football in the middle of the field working on linebackers and safeties. And let's see if they got an adjustment they can make. And Washington really wasn't able to uh, until late in the ballgame. So you credit San Francisco, who's better. They're 11-4. and four. Uh, They're going to be one of the top three teams in the NFC at the end of the season. And now you look ahead to Cleveland and Dallas, knowing that you got to win a football game, and you'll have a pretty good chance to make the playoffs. If you win both, you're getting in. You control your own destiny. You win twice. You're in the playoffs. You win once, you're going to need a little bit of help. You lose against Cleveland, you're going to be on the outside looking in going into the final week of the season. We'll get into some of the playoff permutations and some of what needs to happen as we go forward today on Grant and Danny. But I thought we could start with just some uh, takeaways from the game. Number one, I thought Chase Young looked really good. Great to see him back on the field. The saga is now over. You look at the stat line, it's nothing like overwhelming, right? Chase Young with two tackles is kind of what you'll see. But his impact was larger than that. He had the batted ball up in the air that nobody could locate but could have been intercepted. I mean, can you imagine how much different the the game story is? The outcome might even be. And certainly how much more ink he's getting in his return if he makes a hero play where that batted ball becomes a pick, or lo and behold, he could have located it and intercepted that pass. But he was in the backfield, blew up a couple of runs, did some, I thought, some Chase Youngian things. He looked like himself. And a lot of people were really surprised with how healthy he looked, how active he was. I saw Chris Russell 
I saw Eric Bickle, among others, here in our little broadcasting family and community, saying, I can't believe what Chase Young looks like. He looks healthy. Well, yeah, it's because he's been healthy for a month. I mean, this was the point (laughs) that I've been trying to make is this team, this organization, this staff has been trying to get this guy to play for several weeks because he was able to in their minds and in the doctor's minds, and it was just about getting him over the mental hurdle that allowed him to. And I'm not knocking Chase Young for that. It's a reality he had to deal with. What I am doing is explaining how he could look so good in his first game back. It's because of how long, frankly, it has been since he got clearance to go. I mean, make no mistake about the the snap count, right? Rivera's been talking about 10 snaps, 8 snaps, 12 snaps, something like that. He'll get out there for a dozen plays. He's going to be on a really strict count. No, Chase Young got out there and ran around a little bit, probably got blocked and knocked to the ground and said, I could do this. I'm in great shape. Let me play more. And so it was kind of up to him, I would guess, largely, with a little bit of guidance and protecting himself from himself from the sideline. But who had him playing 40 snaps in this game? I mean, that's crazy. Four times as much, I think, as most of us anticipated for him on Saturday in San Francisco. But I, I did. I thought he looked really good, and I was really happy for him. So you 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 fast forward to next week, and why can't he go make a huge play against Cleveland? Now, you can raise your expectations a little bit to say, okay, maybe he could get you a sack. Maybe he can blow up Deshaun Watson from behind and force a fumble or, or, or bat a ball into the air that gets picked. Like, that's an asset. You just made a nice addition at the end of the season in free agency, so to speak, to bring in a guy who can make a huge play on defense. That's big. Speaking of the defense, they were fine. They were not as good as they needed to be. The 37 points allowed is a little bit deceiving, right? Because San Francisco had a 33-yard drive that got them a touchdown on a short field turnover. They had an 8-yard drive that got them a field goal a six-yard drive that got them a field goal. So I just found you their last 13 points in the game, which gets you down to 21 points, where they really didn't have to move the ball at all. Then they had a 34-yard drive for a touchdown. Okay, so now you're down to 14 points before you find any time where they actually went on a drive. And the drive, in quotes, is the play. It was the 71-yard Ray Ray McLeod run where the defense gave up the home run. And then they did go uh, San Francisco on a seven-play, 76-yard drive right out of halftime over the first four and a half minutes of the third quarter after the uh, halftime kickoff to go take a 14-7 lead. So if you look at kind of the possession chart in this game for the 49ers against Washington's defense, there are a lot of short drives that result in points because of Heineke's fumble and pick, because of the onside kick that might have been the worst onside kick I've ever seen. Have we talked about that at all, by the way? That onside kick was the wackiest bit ever. It went like two yards and just started going sideways and then stopped. I've never seen anything like that. I'm a Joey Sly guy, but that was hilarious. It was like, that's funnier than any Netflix stand-up I've seen from Dave Chappelle, that onside kick. But I thought the defense basically got a C or a C-minus in the game. And you guys know this, whether this is fair or not. It's got to be A's to win games in this organization right now from the defense. Like, you can't win any game 
and certainly not at San Francisco against the 49ers, against an elite defense, if you're not playing in a way that that takes the game over, that that uh, you know holds an opponent to the low 20s. Like, that's been the formula all year, and for weeks and weeks and weeks, the defense was doing it. I thought they played well against the Giants. They weren't the problem, but on a scale of did they dominate, did they take over and win the game? No. And this week was even worse than that. And they'll tell you that. Like, you can't give up a 99-yard touchdown drive. I don't care if it's a 71-yard score on an end-around or not. This defense is too good for that. A 99-yard touchdown drive against this group shouldn't happen. And last week, it was the Giants going 96 yards, remember. And that definitely shouldn't happen. Richie James? Isaiah Hodgins? Like, who are those dudes? And they're just gashing you for 9, 10, and 11 at a time? From Daniel Jones' throwing arm? No, 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 no. We're not doing that. We're too good for that. So I would say, you know, it, takeaway number two after Chase Young looking really good would just be that this defense over the last couple of weeks has not been at the same level as it was for about two months before that. And if they're going to beat the Browns and the Cowboys and get into the playoffs and have a chance to upset a Minnesota or San Francisco or whoever it might be that they play, Defense got to start playing like it was prior to the last couple weeks. A little bit sharper, a little crisper, fewer chunks allowed. Get back to not allowing those explosive plays. Get back to hitting quarterbacks more often. Getting more consistent pressure. Really owning the line of scrimmage up front. Because while Payne had the big sack, Sweat made a couple of pressure plays off the edge. For the most part, Allen, Payne, and Sweat for two games going now, their production has fallen off a little bit from where it was at its peak earlier this year. And it's a big ask. I know that. I'm basically saying, hey, defense, take the game over and make up for the offense not being very good. But they were able to do that and get you back into the season and into the standings and having a playoff shot. So you got to keep asking for it. Another takeaway would be Jahan Dotson, who's healthy again, who's a part of the offense again, and who is the absolute real deal. You go back before the draft, and uh, I was begging for a wideout. I really wanted Jamison Williams from Alabama, who's now a Detroit Lion. Who, by the way, almost got open for a long touchdown again this week and golf underthrew him. But, he, I mean, that would have been two home run balls that they've hit to him in a couple weeks since he got healthy. That guy's going to be a player. I loved Alave, loved Garrett Wilson. This whole receiving group is legit. The guy that I didn't know about, to the same extent, didn't really study and didn't feel as high on for that reason, was Jahan Dotson. And here is a hat tip to the Marty party. Herney, Mayhew, Rivera, whoever else is involved. Tim Gribble, who's their director of college scouting. For all the talk about some potential misses early in the draft by this group, Jahan Dotson looks like a baller, doesn't he? You can write him in Sharpie as a standout contributor for the next few years on his rookie contract. Pick up that option. He'll be around for four more after this, and he'll be making plays. Keep him on the field, keep him healthy, and involve him in the game plan. God forbid you get yourself a quarterback. You could have a little passing attack with McLaurin and Dotson and whether Samuel's here or he isn't, some other guy. And and that's the makings of a really strong skill group at wide receiver. Dotson has a two. He has special ball tracking ability. We've seen now in the last two games. Best ball tracker I've ever seen deep is Deshaun Jackson. 
And he's got some of uh, you know that kind of Steve Smith, Deshaun Jackson tracking downfield propensity. I mean, it's really, really big-time stuff. Thought he was really good again. Next one, interior line. Major need. The interior of this offensive line, two guard positions, and a center. You're going to have to figure this out. You're going to have to probably move on from Chase Roulier, as good as he's been when he's healthy, because over the last two years now, he's had serious injuries, and he's also really expensive. So if you move on from Roulier and you have to find a center, I think you need three new starters on the inside. And maybe one of them is already here internally because you kick Sam Cosme down to guard, but now you need a right tackle. You've created a need there, which I still would do that. So let's say Cosme's your right guard. I need a center, a left guard, and a right tackle. But they're going to have to rework this offensive line this offseason. This is probably the position group I got the most wrong this year. If you go back to, to the preseason expectations, like what we were saying versus what happened, I think the area of the roster that I was the most wrong about is the O-line, and specifically inside. I think a lot of that has to do with the Rulia injury, but you knew that was a possibility after he missed the end of last year and most of the offseason program. But whether it was Heineke more recently or Wentz before that, pass rush has been a bugaboo. It's been, it's been a problem for this group, and they don't always hold up like you should. Rivera, by the way, in his press conference today, said he is not worried about the line, and essentially, and I'm paraphrasing, that he feels better about them than a lot of people do, which I found interesting. But we'll see in the next couple of weeks with Wentz back how that goes. Carson, by the way, how fast was he getting the ball out? It was as if all he's done since he got hurt was put on headphones and listened to recording of, of all the people calling into radio shows saying that he holds the ball too long. Because they were blitzing him, and he just got ball, threw ball, got ball, threw ball, got ball, threw ball, over and over and over again. And then finally, my last takeaway, I think Ron Rivera made up his mind that he was benching Taylor Heineke before the game even started. Because Heineke did really play well early, and then it was three snaps and two turnovers, and he was out. You saw the Jay Glazer report before kickoff. You heard the comments he made all week that led to us predicting Wentz was going to play in the game. He wanted to play Wentz, and he did. My question to you guys, I'll open up the phones for the first time today now on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. Did you have any problem with the benching of Heineke? Did you think it was just, did you think it was fair? Or do you think that Rivera premeditated did it, he was going to do it no matter what, and Heineke got screwed? I want to get into that next on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more, two more. 
You deserve this ice cold reward. Medela, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Three-yard touchdown pass, and that's how Washington responds. It's crazy to think that that was not long before Heineke got benched. Like, that response and that answer for Washington was huge. That was a four-play, 75-yard drive where they threw it three times. Boom, bam, boom. Touchdown. Including... His best deep ball of the season. The next series, two plays later, he fumbled. Series after that, he was intercepted. And in a three-play sequence with two takeaways for San Francisco, all that goodwill, him going into the fourth quarter, having had, through three quarters, his best game of the season, he was on the bench, here comes Wentz. And immediately, Washington... 11 plays, 82 yards for a touchdown. Wentz, 7 of 10 passing right off the bat. Starts moving, and it's going to open the door now for what is going to happen tomorrow. Here's my prediction. Carson Wentz is going to be your starter. He will start against the Browns. He will start against the Cowboys. I'm sticking with what I've been saying for a couple of weeks now. Rivera was just waiting for the chance to do it. And even though the first three quarters for Heineke went really, really well, he got his shot after a couple quick turnovers. And you could say the fumble wasn't his fault or, you know, that that's a protection thing if you want to. It's not a blindside hit on a three-step and plant. I mean, he held the ball. He can protect the ball better there for sure. But it got ugly. And if you have a real leash, if, if you know, if you got your coach behind who has your back, okay, you're allowed that to to fail for a moment when you've had that kind of game. But this coaching staff, and I'm not knocking them. If it sounds like I'm knocking Rivera or this staff, that's not my intention. They traded a two and a three. It's now become a three and a three. For Carson Wentz, they paid him $28 million. They want him on the field, not Heineke. Every answer he's given for two months has told you that. You just had to listen. This was going to happen. It was premeditated. Jay Glazer, before the game, came out and said Heineke was going to get benched if he gave Rivera a chance to do so. He didn't make that up. Question I've got for you guys is do you have any issue with it going down the way Heineke had been playing for the first three quarters of that game against the Niners? Let's go to Mark and Largo on G&D without Danny. What's up, Mark? Hey, how you doing, Grant? Merry Christmas. How you doing, buddy? You too, buddy. Happy um, holidays. Thank you. No. I don't have a problem with what, what, what uh, Rivera's doing. Here's the reality of the situation. You control your own destiny. Brett Favre took the job from Don Mikowski back in 92. Why? Because he didn't turn the ball over. 
When you don't turn the ball over, you stay on the field. Ron has said that. We have all have said that. Here's the problem with, with, with Taylor Heineke, and this is what Ron and Scott has looked at. The two Giant games, the Giants totaled up 40 points. 20 of them came off of Heineke's turnovers. There's no running away from that. You win those two. If he, he doesn't turn the ball over, they win those two games. You lose to San Francisco. You're probably in the process of clinching this weekend to make a playoff spot. Okay? You can't turn the ball over. But here's the only problem, Mark, and I get what you're saying. I really do. Every quarterback in the league turns the ball over. Dak Prescott threw a gross pick six this week against the Eagles. Gross. You, you name a QB. Like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen this year have big-time, problematic turnover propensity. It's one of the only things that could cost their teams. If you look around the league, find me a quarterback you like, that guy turns the ball over. They throw some picks. They lose some fumbles. It's an imperfect position. They miss throws. If they're the guy, not a problem. If you're not the guy, problem. And by the way, again, I would have gone to Carson Wentz as soon as I could as well if I was Grant Rivera. Like, my problem is not that they went to Carson Wentz. I'm just saying, and I hope you guys all acknowledge, that this had very little to do with Heineke against San Francisco. They were going to play Wentz at some point. They just had to wait until they lost two games. They lost the two games. It's Wentz time now. You cool with that? 800-636-1067. 800-636-1067 on Grant and Danny. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. 